welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under, with your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. Hello and welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. I'm your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio, and today we are here to discuss episode 10 of season three of Six Feet Under, titled Everybody Leaves. I am back for the, I lose count every time I do this with you. I'm back with Sean Fallon of the From First to Last podcast. Sean, how are you? I'm good, and it's the fifth time, (laughs) I believe. Yeah, I did one in the first season, two in the second season, I guess True Blood and this. Oh, look at that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, if, if you're listening to this and... It's on. It's obviously on Sean's uh, feed as well. Well, Sean does the from first to last po- first to last podcast. He reviews, uh, the, you know, the first episode and last episode of a TV series, and I always say it's the cleverest trick I've heard in podcasting, <laughs> where you just secretly get to talk about this show. Uh, and Sean is back. We are doing episode ten. Uh, if you're familiar with the podcast, you know all about Sean and, you know, we don't have to go through the whole thing, but Sean recently had made a, uh, voyage into Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. Uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. Oh shit. You went everywhere. Uh, Sean is from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I live in Australia. I'm, well, I'm originally from, okay. So I was born in South Africa, um, but I grew up in England and then three and a bit years ago, I moved to Australia. So, and, and there's bits in the middle where I, I was a teacher overseas, but yeah, I right, now live right. in Australia. And so when you were, so how long were you in here um, in, let's just say, California, West Coast, let's say? Oh, well, the, if you ever go on holiday, if you live in Australia and you go on holiday anywhere, you have to go for a minimum of three weeks because we're so far away. Yeah. Uh, you need like... A couple of days at the end, a couple of days at the start, and a couple of days at the end, just to get your head together. So we went for we went for three weeks. We were in um, LA for like five days, San Francisco for like five days. Um, oh, we had like we went to like Santa Barbara in the middle, and we went to some other places, and then we uh, flew to Portland, and then we took the train to Seattle, and then we flew from Seattle down to LA, and had one last day uh, in Santa Monica, and then we came home. You know, for a show <laughs> totally unironically tying it in, I mean, I think uh, Six Feet Under has only filmed in two places, and it's Los Angeles and Seattle. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, that, well, that, that was it. I've been listening to the podcast, and every time it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Nate used to live in Seattle, and then he lived in L.A., and it's like, oh, Nate, man, stay in Seattle. L.A. is a fucking dump. Uh, I, I, I mean, I guess you kind of said it already, but, like, like just quick hit impressions of... of of our fair land, what you experienced oh. it from an outsider's view. Um, LA and San Francisco are um, a bit uh, a bit more grungy than I expected, and mm-hmm. I think the the way that like LA is, it's very different from Melbourne in the sense of like if you go in if you go to a bar in Melbourne, like so you go you, know, you go out to a bar and then you're like okay let's go to another bar and you walk out and you walk five seconds down the street and you go to another bar, whereas LA it was like. You're in a place, and if you want to go to another place, you have to like do the research and then drive there. And then if you want to go somewhere <laughs> else, you got to drive. And it was very much that like that whole spread out thing was really weird. Yeah. Um, Portland was really cool. It was really weird. Um, the people there were like super, super uh, woke, 
which was very like they they, they were very like the very in on that. Oh no! And Seattle was really cool. I love Seattle. Uh, went yeah. to a Mariners game and went to nice. Pike Place Market and all that. And yeah, it was great. Loved Seattle. Oh well, that's awesome. Well, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm glad to hear you, you had a a. Uh, I I don't know what I was expecting or something like you dumb Americans or something like. No, it's actually interesting because when I've like lived overseas, like I lived in Asia and I lived in um, Turkey. And there was that sort of thing of like you would be in a bar and you'd be having a quiet thing and you'd just hear that like there'd be an American on the other side of the room just like really <laughs> loud or really rude. And I worked with loads of like quite I worked with rude people from all over the world and like but two of the worst people I worked with were an American and a Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when we got to America, um, Americans super polite, dead friendly. Um, very ordered like we went to universal studios on the second day we were there and we were like jet lagged as shit like mm-hmm. no we'll go go to universal be like bright lights roller coasters it'll wake us up <laughs> and my wife was like oh yeah but there's just gonna be crowds and pushing and people are gonna be touching me and we got there and it was just like the most ordered perfect thing <laughs> i've ever seen like i've been to theme parks everywhere and you're always just like cramped in and people are all over you but yeah. no, Americans were cool. Loads of personal space, uh, super friendly. If you need any help, you could ask anyone, and they totally help you out. And um, and yeah, no, it was cool. I was I actually felt quite bad because I was sort of expecting it to be quite annoying, but Americans really uh, pulled it out. And I didn't see. I only saw one Make America <laughs> Great hat, and it was in the was airport <laughs> on the way out in a shop in the airport. So it was like this airport, this this shop called uh, America with like yeah. eight exclamation points and it had like pro-Trump stuff and anti-Trump stuff and that was the only time I saw anything. So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Wow. Did you expect just kind of like that was like like just as people wear jeans, like you were just going to see Make America Great Again hats? Like it was going to be just I, like that? Just I sort fluent? of thought like, yeah, I thought, well, I'm not going to say anything in Seattle, I don't think, and I'm not going to say anything in Portland, but I thought Universal Studios, there's going to be, there's going to be one dickhead. There's got to be. <laughs> And there wasn't. Or, I mean, obviously, they may have been internalizing all that, but right, I didn't right. see any hats and I didn't see any, like, shirts or badges or anything like that. I was like, well, um, that's good. And there was that interesting thing of, like, we stayed in a load of Airbnbs and it seemingly every time we spoke to the person we were living with or the person who's, like, you know, house we were renting out, they yeah. would very quickly just be like, you know, the TV would be on and Trump would come on. They'd just be like, oh, look at this asshole. Like, yeah, <laughs> don't worry, mate. We're all on the same side. It's, you know... We, we we assume that the majority of people on the West Coast aren't into it. It's fine. Don't worry about right, it. Right, right. I don't know. It's cool to hear. Like I said, I had known, uh, like, you know, uh, Sean was originally going to do episode eight. Then we swapped because I was kind of rolling along and Sean was still out and about. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I just thought it would be cool just to, you know, because we talked off mic for a little and just on, just let me hear about it, you know. Um, that's cool. I'm r- r- really glad uh, America didn't disappoint. <laughs> Uh, I guess we could get into the episode now. Like yeah. I said, it was episode 10 of season three titled Everybody Leaves. And I, I kind of said last week that they started – last week's episode was the start of, like, the end of season three. And this episode yeah. really just – wow, just really, really pushes things forward. Uh, I guess I guess another Dexter Six Feet Under – uh, a tie-in here, Sean. The writer of this episode was Scott, Scott Buck. Buck. Yep. Yep. That's my uh, first note, Scott Buck. <laughs> and I guess we can start with the death capsule here, where um, 
Well, first, let, let me let me well, let, let's start with this first, I guess. I, I I do think this is the third time in the Death Capsule we've had it's it's someone t- connected to the cast. Mm. We had uh, at the end of season two was that guy that Nate was sort of you know it's just it's not someone who just popped up that we don't know. The guy at the end of season two that Nate was working with, uh, Bern, Bernard Chenoweth, a few episodes ago, and then I, now I would... we have. Uh-huh. also say as well, uh, I think the episode I did in the first season when it was Gabe's brother. Oh, like right, right, again, right, right. The little quite kid. closely uh-huh. tied uh-huh. in with... Yeah, you know. yeah. No, yeah, that, that fits, because yeah, that's what I mean. Like, this uh, this woman obviously wasn't a main character, but, um, mm. yeah, she's tied into to our, our cast. And, and, you know, sort of, because there... Well, let me first say, it's it's always funny how the Death Capsule just manages... They're going to set things up and someone's going to die. You just don't know where. And it is yeah. rather scary because, you know, we see the return of Taylor, uh, uh, Keith's niece, and there's that huge lawnmower. Yeah. You just, you just, like, yeah, yeah. In your head, you just know that soccer ball is going to get hit by the thing and probably, you know, pop out. And I mean, the yeah. cap, who, who knows, you know? Um, but, uh, I, you know, obviously what we see is just that this bug bites. Jeanette, uh, Keith's great aunt, and allergic reaction, whatever you have, and she dies. And, and sort of like with the theme of this episode, and let me know if you agree that kind of like all these relationships in this episode, they just change on a dime. Yeah. Like one moment, everything's fine. And I mean, seconds later, it's like your entire world in this relationship world, you know, kind of flipped upside down. Uh, hmm. I kind of like wrote down what what every you know the the moments note change of every relationship like right Rico and Vanessa they're dancing fine one minute the next she's just hyperventilating yeah um, Keith is all fine and ready to talk to his father and then you kind of you know a, a few moments later David is storming out because he feels unwanted the yeah. Billy and Brenda scene where you know you just think they're fine they're just a brother brother and sister helping each other out and the next thing you know fucking Billy's kissing her. Um, you know, Russell, hey, I have to talk to you, bam, oh, yeah. all over, <laughs> you know, and then uh, uh, just that moment where where Ruth and Arthur, Ruth just notices, nope, this is not going to happen. Yeah, she sort of, yeah, she wakes up. But all this happens really quickly, you know, and then let me stay too, because I have it in my notes, I didn't do a number, a count number, but, and the episode is titled Everybody Leaves, and there is quite a number of times that a character literally leaves off the screen, you know? Yeah. Like leaves or go out. The the thing is, well, like with with the manner of the death, and like you say, all these changes, like all of them are sort of inevitable. Like they are all things. Like nothing sort of comes out of the blue. Of course, it's stuff like secrets that have been kept that are going to come to the surface. Yeah, yeah. Tensions that are held, uh, weirdness that was always going to come back. And mm-hmm. the thing is, like I, I I remember listening to a podcast. Um, and it was a guy talking about an allergy, and he had um, it's Jason, the comedian Jason Manzukas, and he has an egg oh. allergy, and he sort of said like it really shapes his outlook on the world because he has this constant like death is just all around him at all times, like he never knows, and there is this inevitable thing where you're just going from like uh, allergic reaction to allergic reaction, like. Yeah. You know, and, and, and anything like that, like any sort of disease or something, you know, you are waiting for the point where it's not completely out. You, there's a, you know, it's, there's a chance it comes back. Right. And then with this woman with having like a, an allergy to bees or whatever, it's inevitable that, 
you know, if you're in that environment where there are bees, you're going to get stung by a bee, you know. And I guess that's the same with this. Like, if you are a person who has sex with your art teacher behind your girlfriend's back, that's going to come to the surface. You're going to get stung by that, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great point. Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, essentially, it's just it's all inevitable, you know? Mm. Um, shit, now I'm just thinking of, like, how, like uh, uh, how do you know if you're allergic to bees? Uh, <laughs> like, when you die, right? <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> like, that's how you find out. That's 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 pretty damn scary. Um uh, yeah, to, to start to start with I, I know the episode starts out well I guess let me say uh, I think we've now seen all the characters the main ones at least having sex on six feet under and because oh, okay. the episode starts out with uh, Rico and Vanessa having sex and since their storyline is rather it, it seems to be the past few episodes just rather concise um, you know the episode starts with them but I think we could start with the, uh, David and Keith where yeah. obviously we had seen Jeanette Keith's great aunt dying and they're driving up to her funeral um you know they're sort of talking about this threesome and you know you just clearly get the vibe Keith is all about it yeah and David is just sort of yeah let's kind of not do that anymore <laughs> that that whole thing is um yeah I I think the thing with um Six Feet Under is it likes if it gets itself into a pattern it likes to live in that for a while you know because like with the keith and david thing it's like okay there are odds and they want different things but they've wanted different things for like 30 episodes now you know it, it does seem to be like it is that same thing over and over like they broke up they got back together then they broke up and they got back together and then the this the that and then it's, and then we're just sort of going you know it's the same dance and it it was when this sort of started and it was that conversation or that argument in the car, I was like, oh, I just really hope the whole episode isn't this with them. <laughs> and it wasn't, like, but it is that sort of thing of, like, <laughs> we had this conversation possibly in the first season about Nate and Brenda. Right, right, like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't get it. These two men are gorgeous, successful men. Um, you know, anyone, you know, they could clean up anywhere, but... I get, I obviously, I get that they are in love with each other, but again, it is that sort of thing of like, you're in your thirties, you have to have realized now that there's more fish in the sea. <laughs> yeah. You've got to just be like, you know what, this isn't, this is great and what we have is great, but this doesn't work. It just, you can't, <laughs> you can't force the jigsaw pieces together. Like it just doesn't do it. I mean, yeah. the, a guess that I had kind of gotten from your recommendation, uh, uh, Gravity Beard, you oh, know, course, he was yeah. kind of like... You know, these two characters, it's like you said, it's been however many episodes. They don't like each other. They don't want yeah. the same thing. And it's yeah. ongoing. It's a constant not... Rarely are they really happy. I think it was one episode, and I do think it's this season, where they are happy the entire episode. And again, uh, um, a TV series, a movie, a show cannot exist without tension. You know, you yeah. just don't want to see everyone being fine. But yeah, it's a constant thing with these two Um yeah, it, it's yeah. funny the way you put it. Uh, so they had this conversation basically about, you know, uh, that Keith's been doing personal therapy, that he kind of hides from David. Not hides, mm. just, you know, internalizes that he doesn't have to share everything with David. And, you know, David's like, you know, I tell you everything because I love you. Uh, I kind of wrote here that, you know, I, I, you're, you're how, if I may ask how long you've been married, Sean? I've been married for uh, four years. Okay. 
So l- let me ask you, like, the idea of, and this is more personal relationship, just kind of like to what they're saying here, like, I don't know, I was kind of toying with the idea, but I feel like it's healthy to keep some stuff from your yeah. significant other. Like, you don't tell them everything like David, because there's kind of like that own personal space, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I sort of, to, to this episode, I am actually... Um, currently i am actually seeing a therapist at the moment for depression for okay for old stuff but yeah it is that sort of thing of like i will come home and my wife will say to me she's like oh you know it's like every couple of mondays i go and she'll mm-hmm. say oh how was it and then she'll kind of stop me as well and she'll be like but you don't have to tell me anything yeah 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 and i'm always like no no, no it's nothing to do with you you're fine and i'll just like <laughs> tell her and, and we have like but at the same time though this stuff i don't know actually saying that I think it's just because I don't have any friends. I tell my wife everything. <laughs> right, right. That, that too. Um, um, it, it's not. I don't know because I was talking with it. It's like, well, why don't you? You know, you, you're 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 in a marriage. You're in this together. Well, why don't you tell them everything? Uh, but there's also just that idea of like there is some stuff. Yeah, not no, I, not I, in a bad way either. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is like something like this, like him. Going to therapy to, yeah, yeah, with his father. It's not like he's going to therapy and he's saying to David, oh, yeah, I was talking to my therapist about you and I'm not going to tell you what it is. That's different. That sort of thing, like that conflict with his family, he needs to decide where David fits into that. Because, like, you know, me personally, because I live so far away from my family and all that, my Fiona, my wife, she's my family, you know, and me and her are going to make a new family and, you know, and that's it. So... To make that work, I've got to decide how much, you know, how how big a part. I, this this all ties into what happens later on in this plot line with David and Keith, obviously. But, okay. Um, yeah, I, I think if I was David, I wouldn't I wouldn't be offended because it is what it is. But you would be like, oh, it sets them back again. It puts them back another step. It's another thing of like David seeing that wall coming up with Keith and being like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, so you don't trust me enough to help you with this huge problem. But you are quite happy to just sort of rub it in my face that you, that you are <laughs> right, having these right. conversations. Yeah, and, and like that, that's a great point because Keith could be like, you know, just kind of maybe put a hand on his leg and be like, hey, it's not that I don't want to tell you, it's just some personal stuff. And that kind of like would dis- disengage him, you know? Just like, okay, yeah. it's not something personal, but it's just like, you, you tell me everything because you need approval and you need control. And, you know, it's just like you're just throwing more gas on the fire. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very frustrating because they are likable characters, and you do just want them to just get their get their shit together. <laughs> yeah, but it's just constantly just watching them just like circling the drain. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, when they get to the funeral, right? Like it happens another time in this episode where it's just like six feet under does this like simple thing of where they're just getting out of the car and walking to the funeral right yeah but it's just so like indicative of their relationship you know keith is walking fast and david's like hey like you want to slow down and instead of keith being like oh yeah i'll wait it's like well speed up catch up to me yeah Yeah. and it's just like shit that's that's kind of exactly how it's been and yeah even something like that like i'm not gonna tell you you know like you said rub it in your face that i'm not telling you about this and it's like yeah catch up that's it's not my goal to slow down for you yeah, why should I slow down and make your life any easier? <laughs> yeah. As as your romantic partner and and all that. Why should I? Yeah, why, why, what, what do I owe you? You know. Oh god. 
there's there's two funeral director notes here of when they get to to the uh, the cemetery. Uh, mm-hmm. David makes a comment about how the tractor is, is tacky and shouldn't be shown. Uh, I don't think I've ever been, I've ever not done a funeral at a cemetery where the tractor isn't there. The reason why the tractor is there because uh, a casket goes into a vault, and like mm. the the lid to the vault is really heavy, so you need this tractor to drive over and place it on top. Uh, they can't usually the tractor is it's not like you know next to the grave but it's it's somewhere in the area so once the the, the funeral is over like they can put the um put the lid on yeah like the, yeah so it's real like maybe okay. it is a little tacky just seeing it there but you got to understand at the end of it they are digging a hole and there is a casket you know what i mean like there is physical labor involved it's not all yeah. doesn't happen <laughs> And let me say here, uh, and this this might get into a little different area. Uh, when that organist shows up, and he asks <laughs> David if he's the funeral director, uh, it, it's funny in of itself because it's like, of course they're gonna go to David. And, hey, and he, yeah, he just looks like a funeral director. Having done funerals, and again, it could be different everywhere. I'm just speaking from my point of view, whatnot. Uh, an organist would show up with his own keyboard. That's first off, like he wouldn't just, you know, it's like a drummer showing uh, up. Yeah. You know, like, oh, the drums are here? Okay, great. Like, no, he's going to bring his own stuff, whatnot. And uh, I don't know if I spoke about it on the podcast, but if, if my original statement is that, like, the funeral industry is, like, one of the most segregated industries. Hmm. And it's that because you have, like, your, you know, your black funeral homes, your, your Asian funeral homes, and it's not that they don't course, serve, yeah. they don't serve other families, whatnot. It's just they're better suited to serve, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but that being said, and if, you know, you kind of look in the background, this is a black family and whatnot, it's highly unlikely that David would, and I'm not saying that it can't be, right? Mm. But it's just highly unlikely that <laughs> the organist but, would walk up to David. Yeah, but that's, that makes, yeah, and that makes perfect sense. But I think it's just supposed to be that idea of, like, to show that, I mean, yeah, that whole yeah. scene was so funny. I thought that was genius, <laughs> yeah. where he's like... Yeah. He starts like micromanaging someone else's funeral. Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, like this this organist has looked and been like, "Well, there's no reason why this white guy's here." So <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a here. you know what? That's a great point too. Like, no, no, you have to be the funeral director. Yeah. And the thing is, though, I love the fact that straight out he like he chooses the song, perfect song, obviously, because he loves his <laughs> Ave Maria. And then as soon as the guy, the other person, you're like, "Precard," <laughs> you know, he just goes yeah, straight yeah. into it. Because I mean, you would be all like, be like, "Well." Keith's off doing his own thing. The family's a bit shit. I've seen Taylor, so what else should I do? Okay, I'll just fall back on the on the you know the role that I know. Funeral yeah, director. The, just the, the the comfortability of it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's funny because it's like it, and David kind of had a point. Where it's, it's like yes, not, everything doesn't have to be perfect, but also these programs, these funeral cars are hidden. Like, yeah. is that perfect or is that just serving its purpose? Um, yeah, it's sloppy. <laughs> but I just love it. it's it's like man they, they they just they really they just butt every single time it's not even you know everything doesn't have to be perfect and whatnot uh when when the funeral is over Keith checks in with Taylor you know just you know everything's going okay and you know we sort of get this like little glimpse of that Taylor mentions how uh, Keith's father had bought him his favorite steaks mm. and you know this is kind of like a like a not always kind of like a light, like a light bulb goes on. Like, oh, maybe it's not as bad as, you know, Keith. I, I, yeah. I guess it seems like they're open to it now, to talking and whatnot. Yeah, it, it, 
it was actually interesting. That thing with Taylor reminded me of um, one of like my God, my great uncles or something like that in um, in Liverpool. He had quite a contentious relationship with his kids, mm-hmm. but he's great to the grandchildren. Like that's where <laughs> he like he fucked up raising the kids. Like he was just a very strict, like unfriendly man. Then yeah. he sort of grew out of it, but it sort of that relationship was bollocksed in the middle. Or, yeah. or, or they never had the conversation that Keith and his dad have. You know, they never got to that point where it was addressed. So he just put all that sort of love and energy into the grandchildren. The grandchildren love him. Mm-hmm. And I kind of saw that when Taylor's like, oh, you know, grandma says he spoils me. So it is that sort of thing of like, even if Keith's dad doesn't know how shitty he was or he won't admit it, it's that guilt is there. And he's yeah, got to get yeah. that guilt out in some way. So Taylor is the perfect sort of thing of like, well, I, I fucked up one. But I can. I fucked up the generation, but I can go the next generation. I can, I can work that one out, yeah, you know, no, and then it, buy that, work them back, you know, whatever. Yeah. No, it's a great point. I didn't even. I didn't even think about it like that. But it, it, I mean, it makes total sense. Um, yeah, Taylor, the beneficiary, all of it. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's winning. Kind of. Uh, I mean, this. You know, when they when they proceed to the house later. Um, just because I, I I don't feel like getting into all of it just to explain, but like. It's happened. This is probably the second time it's happened. I know it happens at the end of season four, but like this scene at the house, let's just say they're they are treated and whatnot, right? But like I definitely have daddy issues, right? Like I don't get along with my father, and mm. this scene here, I was it sent every time I rewatched it, it sent chills down my spine because it's like holy sh! I know that I yeah. know that scene. Like you know, I was just like, oh my god! It got it's almost like. Every single time I would like, and again, this is not aggressive, but I would kind of like clap. I would just be like, oh my God, just like how, 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 I don't know, it, it provoked something out of me, like, you know? Yeah. Um, and essentially what happens is, you know, they're at, the, they're at Keith's father's house and, you know, David sort of gets the cue. I was like, okay, I'm going to get up and leave now and, you know, let you guys do your thing. And uh, let's say Keith is approaching his father for forgiveness or to forgive him yeah i mean that's it's again a very interesting thing like that level of bravery on keith's part or that sort of openness which is very much he's not the same character he was at the start of the show like Mm -hmm. that's a lot of david and a lot of therapy um but yeah like when he sort of sits there and he starts doing it i was like yeah my heart was in my mouth i was like this poor fucking dude like the burden of that being mm-hmm. on him like mm-hmm. he's the one who has to bear his soul to get this fucking abusive dickhead to <laughs> you know to see what he's done wrong right but yeah no it was great amazing scene and i'm with you like yeah i admire keith for for coming up with that and, and doing it and then i also thought of it's like well why would you think if he's been like this all along that you would confront him like this and it would have been like a, a happy moment like you knew, like you knew that this was coming. This this antagonizing uh, retort, you know, against him. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of goes to the same thing. Like I admire David for stepping in, and that's kind of like when he really draws it all out. But there was also part of me that was like, stay out. Hmm. Like he could have just stayed behind Keith. I don't. He just kind of interjected and was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! This is a Keith and Keith's father, whatever." I, I keep saying Keith's father. Um, 
that's a thing between them. Yeah. I was like, oh, David jumped in. I was kind of like, oh, okay. And then I was like, ah, you know what? Too much, too much. Did yeah, you? no, I could definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I was sort of with David because I like David. <laughs> I guess that's, that's what I'm going to And I think it was that thing of like when... I don't, I don't know whether it's an issue of like David would have stayed out of it if the dad hadn't been so homophobic. Right. You know, and sort of like, because some of the language he uses is really sort of like, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know whether David, because it's interesting, because like, you have that weird turn of like, it's Keith versus Keith's dad, then it's David versus Keith's dad, then it's Keith and Keith's dad <laughs> versus David. <laughs> and then David leaves, and then Keith and Keith's dad are, are back at odds again. And I was yeah. like, Keith, t- you've got to be on David's side in that particular moment. And then later on, you can be like, hey, dude, about before, right, right, don't, right. don't do that. Yeah, you can't <laughs> suddenly be like, again, it, it is that family thing of like, Keith needs to decide who his family is. And yeah. he seems to be leaning more towards his, obviously, his biological family. Whereas David's there, who's constantly coming back and constantly supporting him and is trying to help him. But obviously, too, too, um, uh, not rambunctious, but too, too enthusiastic to be like, yeah, let's fucking get this guy. You know? Yeah, yeah, just maybe it was a little too much. I mean, I guess someone had to be there to break them up because they probably would have gone, you know, sort of punching, you know, taking that yeah, further. That's it. Keith would have obviously hurt him, you know. But yeah, and, and here's like I said that that first instance, David walks out. This is David leaving, you know. Um, and and their, their their sort of storyline closes out with, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, David David being there, you know, to support Keith and whatnot. I mean, man, is that a sh- that's a that's a bad fight you have with your significant other if you have to take the bus back home. Yeah. That's and they're getting the uh, greyhound. <laughs> yeah, it's like shit. That it, for me, that hurt seeing him getting off the bus. I was like, damn. You know, that's sort of the thing where you just kind of, you know, you pretend you're going to walk out, but you're by the car the entire time. You know. And, yeah, you know, you're just like sat in the driveway having a cigarette or something. Yeah, just waiting to get picked. Like, wait, you're like, oh, Keith's right behind me. I assume, <laughs> but maybe that's it. David's like, yeah, Keith's not going to come out. Keith's yeah, not yeah. Come see right. how I am. So I must well just jump on the bus and go home and go sleep in my bed. <laughs> I'd be scared to go home if I ever left a significant other, let her take a bus home. Yeah. And then I come Can back. You oh imagine? my god. No, like we're done. Like how yeah. how could you want yeah. <laughs> oh, if my if my wife like if I was having an argument with my mom or my dad and my wife took my side <laughs> and then I too. took their side against her, she left the house and took the bus home and I didn't follow after her? I'd never see you again. Yeah, that's that's it. Have a nice life. My that's God. That's it. Just, that would be it. Be like, yeah, I was married, and then I never saw her again and had right. zero contact with her. <laughs> and, and we see uh, that from the bus stop, uh, David's friend Patrick picks him up. Oh, and, yeah. And that's a... Uh, that's brewing. That's a... Uh, yeah, and that's, that's a, certainly a good friend for David. Mm. Uh, I guess we can move on to Nate and Lisa... And where their storyline sort of starts out, um, I didn't catch the guy's name, but a guy comes in and wants to purchase a, a more expensive casket for his wife. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, just, just again, I think, so. just to go off the show for one second, it's been very interesting, actually, because I, since I got back from America, I binged a load of, I think I binged all of season three of your podcast. 
Oh, okay. I'd, I'd sort of caught up with it because I'd fallen behind. Okay. And it's this, how did, it, how did this get made? This podcast, How Did This Get Made? And uh, My Dad Wrote a Porno are the only podcasts that I watch, I listen to religiously episode by episode. So good uh-huh. work. Um, <laughs> and the weird thing with season three I've noticed is every guest who has come on, no matter what their background with the show or their background with you or anything like that, <laughs> they have spent so much time talking about the characters that they hate. Oh, and an interesting shit. thing has been everyone's had a different character that they've hated or a different couple that <laughs> wow, they've hated. Wow, that's so funny. It's been interesting how that, sw- that switch has happened. It's very much a sense of like people come on and it's like, I love this, but I hate this. And my one of them is like, I'm still out on Nate because I think this, epi- this, this little scene at the start, he was like jealous of another man's grief. That's such a like, great way to put it. Yep. Yeah, like, I, ah, oh, Nate, you're the fucking worst. Just get it together. <laughs> but obviously, he has, he's, well, spoilers or no spoilers, he's going to be going through quite a lot in the Oof, next few, yep, next yep. few hours. But, like, I think it was just that thing of as soon as he appeared and the guy started crying and then Nate started crying and you're like, I was waiting for a line of dialogue where it was like, oh, I wish I could be in love with someone that when they died, I was that heartbroken. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that was implied or that was just me, like, just not giving Nate the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, that was... He just told... he annoys me. <laughs> it's it's one of the greatest reasons why I enjoy doing this is because, like, I looked at that scene completely different. Yeah. But what you're saying makes total sense. Uh, I was just more like... I just everything was sitting on the surface for Nate and and I was just kind of like I can't believe how much it was on his face how he was just ready to cry like yeah when the guy starts really getting into it he, you could see it on his face he does I mean to me he does one of these things where he like is about to start that crying face but really pulls it back because he realizes he can't be you know yeah. crying with this man um and, and I just went the whole funeral director route because the idea that where he puts on the lights that should have been on before and trying to talk this guy out of a more expensive casket. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to sell him a more expensive casket, but you could do other things like videos or pictures or whatnot. Like you could still help this man honor his wife. I totally glossed over. Nate is basically, you know, he's the guy who like want the kid who wants to wear band-aids. So he's like, look, I'm also <laughs> <Yeah>. hurt. <laughs> like, you know, that just glo- that just yeah. totally passed by me. That's it's, it's a brilliant point. Um. Well, I mean, it is it is. It's such a weird. Like the Nate plot line is such a weird one of obviously kind of Brenda and Lisa being the way they are and sort of. It's, I don't know, it's very interesting, because in this show, they haven't quite nailed down, um, like, a couple that you sort of want to root for. Right. Like, it was Keith and David for a bit, and then gradually that just, like, felt poisoned from the inside out. So you were yeah. like, oh, I don't know if this is healthy, I don't know if I want to see this go on. Obviously, no one no one was um, shipping uh, Brenda and Nate. I can't imagine anyone was like, oh my God, I hope these guys stay together forever. Yeah, no one, no and one. And same with Lisa, like going by, because I don't know whether it was one of those things of like, well, they can't make Lisa too likable because then what inevitably happens to her will be too tragic. Right. Like you do have to have that sense of like, this is a character we want to see. I mean, or maybe it's that. Maybe they were like, okay, well, we're going to make this character quite unlikable. So people want something to happen to her so when it does they'll feel guilty <laughs> yeah know. yeah yeah 
Like, uh, I mean, obviously, I know uh-huh. you've talked about like sort of spoilers and things like that. So, because yeah. this is really the start of the Lisa going missing plotline, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I won't go into too much, but I think I will have to talk about a little bit. Well, let me let me say here, and, and you don't have the the opportunity because last week my 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 guest Dina from the Fandom Cram podcast she had brought it up, and it's the first yeah. time it she I had realized that the re like now at hindsight you kind of realize the reason why Lisa is acting the way she is is because I mean she's been having an affair this entire time, so there's kind of like that struggle of like I'm not getting at home what I should be getting you know and that's why and I'm, I'm kind of reflecting all of this back on Nate because I mean she has this extreme huge jealousy with uh, Nate and Brenda towards Nate and Brenda but you know it's sort of that thing if you go out and you cheat on I don't want to say this about you uh, a man cheats on his a man cheats on his wife he comes home and all of a sudden he starts suspecting his wife of cheating on him so with the hindsight you're just kind of like oh that's why Lisa's been the way she is but this episode, because kind of the last episode ended where it was like, hey, I mean, what fucking re- repackaging they did to their relationship. But it was just sort of like, hey, we're friends who are romantically involved uh, and yes. we really like and love each other. But we're not like a married couple. We're just like friends who like each other and love each other and have sex. But and also raising a baby like, you know. Um, yeah. So that's why this episode, they're kind of somewhat, quote unquote, free. But to your point, it's like, yeah, this is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is the last time we see a live Lisa, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, and when when she's in this episode, she's really likable, you know. Yeah, it's sort yeah. of like she's very happy. She's very, um, yeah, she's very like cause she's been a bit of a pain in the ass, and now she's yeah. suddenly like super healthy, super happy, and super low key. And you're like, oh yeah, actually, this character's growing on me. And she does, <laughs> yeah. and she does, and she does something that's kind of like I don't have children, but I could understand where it's like. You know, I'm kind of excited to get away yeah. from my child for a few days. I know the second I leave, I'm going to miss her, but I kind of want to be able to sleep and not have to work. Like, you know, I totally get all that. Uh, a call back to an earlier episode when Nate's upstairs crying, Ruth is kind of giving him a back rub and like Lisa just sort of seamlessly transition in. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, oh, yeah, there's the um, episode four, Nobody Sleeps, where they just, they made all those parallels. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of fitting, like, you know, the way it's just kind of one rolls out to the other. Uh, to speak of the last scene we see of Lisa, uh, you know, having the foresight to see what happens. And like I said earlier, just like with that, a simple, simple action of walking at, in the funeral with uh, Keith and David. Uh you know, here, these regular lines usually wouldn't have <laughs> not meant much, but when you yeah. know what this scene means for the future, you know, because uh, uh, Nate goes, you know, we're going to miss you. And uh, right before Lisa leaves, she's like, you know, you're just trying to get rid of me. And, and even Lisa says, I don't want I don't want Maya to see me go. Yeah, that's it. It's well, just all like really means a lot more in hindsight, you know? Yeah, that's it. And interestingly, the last... The last words that Nate says to her when he tries to call her later on at the park and the phone mm-hmm. goes dead is he says, I'm losing you. Yeah, I have that right here. Yep. yep. Yeah. Which I thought was like, oh yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. that's some good that's some that's some good foreshadowing. <laughs> that's nice. And, and 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 kind of that's with that same tone, uh 
and I kind of noticed this with HBO, at least kind of the, the big three shows, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones, and I don't know if this is necessarily an HBO thing or whatnot, but uh, water, the beach being like a big like motif for people who die. Hmm. Because there's certainly a big scene later in season uh, five course, that has to do with the yeah. beach. The Sopranos has a really, there's a really big water theme that people who die and whatnot. And uh, no like spoilers. The and the ducks and things, yeah. That too, oh, but there's also like a, a huge uh, season two character and they all think yeah, about the beach. Yeah, of course, on a, on a yeah. boat, yeah. Yeah. I never, and I uh, uh, Boardwalk Empire, the final, the final episode they scrap their whole intro and everything, and it begins with, I won't say who, because spoiler, blah, 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 but uh, he's just walking into the ocean. Ah. So just kind of like, you know, it, it, while those are three completely separate shows, there is, you know, there are a lot of things you could tie HBO together. Um, and just seeing, you know, Lisa at the beach, is just sort of like, ah, you know, there's there's something going on here. Uh, I have it in my notes that Nate's last line was, I'm losing you, but you brought that up already. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, and again, here, just uh, going back, this is also Lisa, again, literally walks out of the scene. Mm. Um, so that's another, everybody leaves. Uh, we could sort of, and how, you know, with their, that whole thing ties in later. To, I'll continue with, with, with Nate. Uh, I guess we could start with Billy and Brenda. Um, <laughs> uh, Brenda is now living with Billy and she's reading the book that was based on them, Nathaniel and Isabel. <sighs> the lines they, they obviously tell, right? Like Brenda's reading the book and she realizes how dark and twisted the book is. Yeah. And Billy's response is, you know, we're human beings. We all have a dark craving for sick fantasies. Hmm. And when I had first seen, it, I was like, like incest. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah foreshadowing again yeah yeah there, there's just uh for six feet under that's sometimes hard to like you know hard to um interpret it this yeah. episode was rather at the forefront of it or, it's quite it's yeah. quite surface isn't it i think yeah, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that um <laughs> it's it's good i mean because sometimes you do want that every so often just to sort of um uh, like a palate cleanser where sort of a lot of the metaphor and stuff is right on the surface so you can be like oh no I get this yeah, <laughs> like, I yeah. get what they're doing it's and then the next episode yeah. Yeah. yeah and then the next one's like really complex you're like mm-hmm. yeah but I got the last one so <laughs> this is a different kind it's fun uh, I don't know if this translates to like where, where, where you had grown up but like the actual VHS that Billy buys of their their Nathaniel and Isabel I can't, I wish, I, I couldn't come up with a better word to describe, but it just looked like those cheap-ass cartoons you had growing up that, like, yeah. today you have, like, the $2 DVD bins, and there were, like, these dollar VHS bins, and it was, like, really shitty copycat <laughs> of, like, yeah. it wasn't, like, Casper the Ghost, it was, like... Carter um, the Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Carter yes. the yes. Amnibal, uh <laughs> Poltergeist. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was like Ghostbusters. It was like Hostbusters. You know, just like all like <laughs> yeah. little things like that. And it just it looked crappy. Like even like the if you remember the cardboard that the VHS came in, like even them they they were like crappy. And you have you still have it today, where it's just like crappy quality, substandard. Oh, yeah. Just looking at it, I was like, oh, God, that's just, again, that's not what the show is intended to do. But I just looked at it and I was like, oh, it like hit me. It hit me like like <laughs> bad candy I had when I was little, <laughs> super sugary. It was like, oh, God, I used to remember this stuff. 
Oh, no, totally. I mean, it is, again, to, uh, uh, you know, as we've talked about before, like, sometimes the show is dated, and sometimes the show is quite dated in subtle ways. This mm-hmm. is not one of those ways. <laughs> right, right. Like, I, I went and I bought a video. Yeah, yeah. Like, Shut up. Yeah. You could just, you could buy, if that thing, if that movie existed in real, the real world, you'd be watching it on YouTube now. Right, you know, just right. a knockoff that someone had uploaded. <laughs> Uh, when they are watching the the video cartoon, Billy mentions that Isabel was saved by mouth to mouth resuscitation. Uh. And again, just that not so subtle subtleness. Um, oh God, this scene! I'm telling you, man, the same way I got chills when Keith and his father fight and they have that talk. I now let me say this: I didn't know that this was the episode that this happens in. And so when it's, and then, and you know, knowing when it starts to happen, where Billy kind of has this freak out of he's not normal, whatnot. Um, yeah. As, as, oh my God, I, I, I'm feeling it right now. If you could see me, I'm like trying to go into like infant mode. What do you call that? Not, uh, what, what do you call when you're like the you're fetal sh- position? Fetal position. That's how I feel right now. When just Billy <laughs> infant starts mode. Going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Oh god! When he starts crawling up to her, and he just totally, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, God, what's the word? Not, not reading. They're coming from way different places, and again, sort of the same thing. Like, yeah, because he's so like, nuz- like, she's giving him like a, a reassuring pat and a hug and a right. little stroke of his hair, and it is quite affectionate. But they are affectionate siblings, and then he just like, as soon as he started nuzzling into her neck, I was like, oh no. Don't need any of this, mate. Come on. She's not into it. And she shouldn't be. <laughs> right, right. It was just, oh, God, too much. And, and you know, you could sit there and splite, like, you know, pick through it. I mean, I, I guess we're both on the same page that Brenda wanted nothing of it. But it's not like the second their lips touched, he <laughs> pushed her away. Oh, God, do I want you to spoil this for me? Do they end up having sex? They do, right? No? I don't know. I, I don't know how you did. Uh, I don't know because I my sort of knowledge of sixties under is quite bitty from this point onwards. Like I because I was watching it uh, on TV, I'd sort of miss episodes, right, right, you know, miss a couple of episodes and then pick it up again. And then like that was something obviously you could do I... in the early two thousands where you just like miss four episodes yeah, yeah, and then yeah. watch it and just, just from the previously up. on be like, yeah, I can watch this. Maybe they didn't have, maybe Brenda dreamt it. Uh, I, I guess I'll find out finishing out these three episodes of season three, but I, I, part of me thinks they did. And that's why it's like, it's like a really, no, maybe not. I'm crazy. Who knows? Uh, anything else on this storyline? Because I kind of glossed over the parts where Billy comes home and whatnot, and they're just, they seem rather happy together. And just this kissing again. And again, I'll tie this, uh, I'll tie it into the end of the episode where, where Brenda comes to uh, Nate, but. Uh, again, here you have Brenda leaving a scene. Um, but before, I mean, uh-huh. like like we said, I mean, Billy sort of doing something that was uh, inappropriate or uncomfortable was inevitable. You know, it was an inevitable thing of yeah. like, yeah. Good I mean, point. she even says it. You know, she says it when she talks to Nate. She's like, I knew it in the back of my mind. There was a little voice that said, "Don't move in with Billy," and I moved in with Billy. <laughs> yeah, because she had to know that at some point. Because, again, it sort of ties back sort of into the last episode me and you did 
I think it's the Christmas episode where Margaret has Billy taken out of the hospital and she, and he lives with her. And it was very much a sense of like she needed someone to look after. And yeah. you don't know whether it's the same thing with Brenda, where Brenda's like, oh, I'll look after Billy. Oh, I'll live with Billy because eventually Billy will be need looking after. And that will give me a sense of purpose after all this fucked up stuff that's happened. Right. At the same time, you're like, well, yeah. I'm going to go and get... I'm trying to think of, like... I keep coming up with, like, flowery metaphors, and it's too early in the morning for me. Um, <laughs> but, like, you you buy, um, you know, you buy a dog, and it's a cute puppy, and it grows up to be a wolf. You know, it's that sort of thing of, like, yeah, I want the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want the yeah. nice bit, but I've got to accept the fact that Billy is a time bomb. Billy will eventually go off his meds. Billy's meds won't work. Billy will have a... Billy will watch an animated movie and it will cause him to flip out. You have to accept <laughs> yeah, that it's yeah. going to happen. Um, and that's the risk that she took and that was... Yeah, and that's what happened. Like, I'm not blaming Brenda or anything, but Brenda should have known better. Or yeah. she should have, it, it's inevitable. I mean, I think it is that thing of, like, Brenda had to... Brenda knew it was inevitable. She says it's inevitable. And that's there, it. Yeah. There's a story, sort of like to your to, to what you were trying to say, there's a story, and I guess this is kind of like what there's that, that storyline is, is like... Uh, and I'm going to blow through this and I know I'm going to mess it a bunch up. But there's a story of like the scorpion and the frog. And like, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like the frog is like, oh, walk me across the lake. Yeah, the and scorpion's the f- like, let yeah, me get on your back and swim, yeah, and swim yeah. me across. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, you're going to kill me. And he's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Just walk me across the lake. And then like he walks him across the lake and then he kills him. And he's like, well, what the hell? Why'd you do that? He's like, well, I'm a scorpion. You know I was going to kill you. Yeah, um, you knew this was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Is, it's in my nature. Right, right. It, it's just there. And then, and then we'll 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 finish off because when 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 Brenda heads to to Nate's after, mm. uh, I guess we could start with Claire and Russell. Uh, we first see Claire and Russell in class, and we get this huge explosion from Russell. What do you th- like? If I were to ask you, where do you think this blow up comes from? Where he just kind of flips out? Is it is it is he lo- like? Is is it because he's like going through this sexual identity? whole deal or is it frustration frustrated with olivier what do you think yeah i think it's probably like because olivier's been sort of getting in his head of course all that and then um it's probably shame and there's guilt towards claire Mm -hmm. i think the weird sort of i mean this whole plot line with the art school and olivier is very much a sense of like this is what people assume an arts course is like I think, and I think Olivier is like an art teacher stereotype where it's like, one time I put my all my art in the back of a car and I set it on fire and I pushed yeah. it down my mask. And you're like, no, you didn't, you fucking poser. Why the fuck are you working in a, why are you working yeah. in LA at an art school then if you're so good at what, you know, and all that shit. Yeah. And, and that sort of sense of like it's all taught, like even Russell later on, he's like, you know, we're fucked up crazy artists, we should be together. Which should be an alarm bell for Claire to say, get out of my house. Right, right, right. Arsehole. Like, there is... I I did... um, At university, I did English, and I did um, creative writing. And it was was one of those very weird things where you're like, well, I can get taught sort of like the nuts and bolts, but if you can't do it, you can't do it. But there were people on my course who were very much like... They believed themselves to be tortured writers. They were like 18. They didn't didn't (laughs) seem shit. You know... Um, but our, and our teachers were really chilled, yeah. uh, but 
there was that sort of sense of when I would talk to my mates who were doing like IT and engineering and stuff like that, they assumed we were all like lazing around on like couches with quills and it was all like, I wrote a poem today, would you like to read it? You know, and it's like everyone was just, and like this sort of thing of like we were all tortured artists and everything. It's like, (laughs) no, it's, this is, this is, this is the stereotype. You know, my teacher was like a guy who, he was like some dude from Yorkshire who just really liked (laughs) funny poetry and that's what he taught us. Yeah. Uh, uh, to your point of, of, of like, you know, uh, uh, like Olivier just, you know, being that stereotypical and it's, mm. you know, you put your, my, all my art in my car and I live on fire. And that's not the first time he said or done something like that. You know, one time I, it, it, it's, it's a bunch of stuff like that. And to, to combine your other, your other idea that like everyone who's come on the show has, has a different hated character. I'm shocked that Olivier isn't like what turned, isn't like the most hated because he's just a, a, a pretentious, it's all around. And I know that's how this character is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and I think his most likable moment is in the previous episode when Brenda comes home and, and um, he's having sex with, with Margaret, Brenda's mother. And he's just like, I'm sorry, I couldn't stop. I just, you know, I, I, I every, everything that comes out of his mouth, I'm just like, shut, like, Exactly like what Russell. Exactly what Russell said. Like, no, you didn't. Like, oh no, I don't think he says no, you didn't. He was just like, well, look at you. You're a genius. You know, I wish yeah. I could one day be like that. And, and, and I guess while on, on one side of my mouth, I'm talking about that. But <laughs> when Russell leaves and Olivier just goes like, he could have at least had the commitment to slam the door. Yeah, <laughs> like, I did quite like that line. That's I, a I great. That that's good. a great like truly villain line um, yeah it's a good it's a good like saving face line like, you know because <laughs> yeah, russell yeah. had that was russell was really cutting and had sort of got to the core of him but yeah. he got the upper hand with that sort of like well i'll get the last word and sort of make it into a thing about how ah, i don't care it is what it is that everyone yeah. get back to work and you can <laughs> see he's a little bit rattled yeah but yeah, yeah no he does get the last word he does come out on top and and like here first russell leaves of course and then later, Russell comes back in and, you know, just just talking about, you know, the theme of the episode, just how quickly a relationship changes. Russell comes back in and, you know, he kind of doesn't really know himself why he's freaked out. And I, just another great line where he's just like, you know, Claire, I have something to tell you. And, you know, Claire, <laughs> it's just what every every woman wants yeah. to hear. You know, it just prompts to tell Claire that he slept with Olivier that, you know, this has sort of been hinted at a few past few episodes. Uh I we have the hindsight that you know you could tell when it's happened and you know Russell's acting weird but you kind of don't know why and you know I just I imagine watching this live is like oh shit like now it all makes sense yeah six season it does that quite well actually which I never really I don't think I realized that the first time around is they're good at like seeding a storyline and like giving you little tasters before they they drop the bomb like I think that's that's very good like with yeah. this one, like you say, with the Lisa thing, like they've given you all the clues you need, but yeah, like about you say about uh, Lisa and like why she's acting the way she's acting, but then you kind of like, oh, well, that's just who they are, and that's just the way, and whatever, and then it's like, boom, like oh uh-huh, motherfucker, uh-huh. there yeah. it is. <laughs> She's good, uh, and I love the line was just, and it's just, it's probably what are they twenty years old, give or take, and and Russell's just like. I think I might be bi. <laughs> that, yeah. that is such a perfect, you know, it's sort of like, I think I'm pregnant. 
of course he doesn't know what he's in, you know. Uh, but then obviously here, Claire, Claire leaves. Uh, when Russell shows up at the Fisher house, kind of the first thing I noticed was like that, that, that camera placement where usually it's kind of like Claire getting shitted on and, and, mm. but she's a lot stronger now, maybe cause she's a little bit older cause she's at the top of the stairs and you know, they shoot, they shoot Russell down. He's at the bottom of the stairs. Um, again, I mean, I, I don't know to me, there's not much to speak on that. Just Claire wants nothing to do with him. She's not, she doesn't want to go through this, you know, we could talk about it and we'll go through it and whatnot. She's just very flat cut out with Russell. Yeah, I mean, I think Claire's been, been around the, um, she's, she's had, she's been with some stupid fucking dudes. Like, so I think (laughs) Russell, if Russell had come before Gabe and before the other guy, whose name I've forgotten, then he might have had a chance, but it's like, nah, you are just one of a bad bunch yeah, she's exhausted yeah. with all of you idiots. So you can just hit the bricks. <laughs> uh, and then really quick, I just like went like, <laughs> there's just so much sadness in the episode because like mm. Claire storms out. She walks through the house and Ruth is kind of right there and we'll get, we'll get into her and why she's here. But as soon as she sees, uh, fuck these names, Claire run by, Ruth starts to cry. Yeah. I'm just like, fuck, everyone is just. <laughs> yeah, everyone has, has some tears, yeah. don't they? Yeah. <laughs> And I guess to start with Arthur and Ruth, right? Uh, I love I love the first scene of Arthur because it's just it's it's that perfect non subtle subtleness because Arthur is not knowing you know which socks match and he just doesn't know how to be a pair a couple you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know what my take is on the Arthur character because. I don't know if it's too ridiculous. I don't know if his sort of thing where he's like, if this, if this, if you gave me this episode, if I, if I'd never heard of Six Feet Under and I'd never heard of this show and you gave me this episode and said, oh, it's about a family who run a funeral parlor and one of the people who works at the funeral parlor is an alien (laughs) and it's Arthur, (laughs) I would believe you. Because when he's just like, you know, when... It's like sex does not have to be painful. It can be uh, enjoyable. You're like it's like yeah. data from Next Generation. He's just sort of like, tell me this human emotion you call laughter. You know, it's just <laughs> I couldn't handle it. Uh, I'm saying this because you had brought it up before. Uh, I don't know how recent the episode is. I might have been a few months ago. Uh, how did this get made? The my stepmother is an alien. Yeah. Did you watch that movie for the podcast or no? No, no, I'd seen it yonks ago when I was a kid, like, but yeah, no, I didn't watch it again. Because there's a scene where she, like, talks to her pocketbook and she's like, what is sex? And... Of course, and it's that whole thing of, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because here, because I have the line, and, you know, when Arthur is confronted about the idea of sex, he goes, I believe that sex can be when two become one. It needn't always be painful, but it is indeed a very slippery slope. <laughs> like, Just the way you were wait. talking about it there, yeah, like data, that's like... And in that movie is because kind of like sex is could be uh, choose a gender and they just go into the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> let me say this. Well, that the, the way Arthur was, it was sort of like the dark comedy take on uh, if you remember 40 year old virgin when they're yes. like, they're like, you know, descri- descri- describe, describe her boobs or whatever. And he's like, it was like a wet bag of a sand. And she was like. <laughs> do me all night baby <laughs> you know they're like yeah. oh shit you're a virgin <laughs> yeah and, and no, like it's... it's the same thing here ruth instantly detects that arthur's a virgin um yeah. 
And, and I guess even by his own admission, right? She says, Arthur, have you ever had sex? And she's like, I think I, he says, I think I have once. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Right. Yeah. Right there. It's like, nope. And that's kind of like no. where, 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 where uh, Ruth, you know, drives off. Yeah. I, I do like that. That Ruth's just like, nah. I'm too old for this. I'm mm-hmm. too old for this mm-hmm. guy to be for me to be like shepherding this man into right. to manhood. I gotta, you know, Ruth's gotta do Ruth. I gotta get out and do my own thing. Like I can't be like babysitting. I've got enough kids. I don't need another one. <laughs> yeah, like, another one. And, which and, I, which uh-huh. is good because I do like it when Ruth sort of puts her foot down and kicks someone's ass. Like I think that's great. Yeah, like they're in that laundry scene, and again, it's like it's like again like this normal thing of laundry and just making it like a symbolism for their relationship because. You know, how could you ever make laundry symbolism for anything? But, like, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, the baggage and whatnot. And kind of like, you know, giving someone a key to your place is like, oh, you're making a big step and whatnot. But, like, kind of also doing laundry together like they're doing. Um, Ruth, she's, like, I don't want to say she's disgusted with with Arthur in this scene. But she's just kind of like... Arthur, I don't care what you do. Do whatever you want. Like, yeah, <laughs> you want to make exo- like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, enough. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like that. I do like that she is sort of exhausted by him. It's just sort mm-hmm. of like, you know, I, you know, I've got a crush on this dude, but he is just going to be so much hard work. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's like, I haven't got time for this. This is of nonsense. Yeah. Like, and if he's not going to sort of, because I think Ruth's whole thing is she does like a, you know, she likes a dude who. Do, will do the work like and he's right, like, she's right. like I'm not dragging this guy up and this weirdo who <laughs> might be a, an alien or a robot <laughs> dependent I don't know but yeah no I, I, I do like that I do like that she's sort of like no mm-hmm. this this yeah. looks like too much work I'm a woman in her 50s trying to get back on back on the horse <laughs> I ain't got time for this uh, and, and then when this is like sort of where like the, the storylines combine um you know, we see Ruth and Claire, and they're in whoever's bed. I don't know if it's Ruth or Claire. Uh, I think it's admirable that they are, uh, again, this is me speaking out of both sides of my mouth. It's admirable that they're sort of talking about sex, but I think Claire's a little too young to be discussing sex like this with her mother. Uh, I think this might be a girl thing that we don't know about, dude. <laughs> I think this, this might on, be one of those things. But she is like 19 or 20. Yeah. I mean, she graduated high school, so let's, let's, she has an early birthday. Let's make her, let's screw it. Let's make her 20. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I guess you're right. I guess it, it, I didn't even factor that in. It's just, I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think this is a thing that, that dudes do. I don't think, you know, I wouldn't sit there with my dad and talk <laughs> no, about this kind no, of thing. But it's, and I think it's, it's a good, healthy thing. And I think that, I think it is definitely something that women do more than, than men. I, I've had tons of stuff of that in the past with like girlfriends and they've like said to me, Oh yeah, so I was talking about telling my mom about this thing. It's like you, t- you talked about you talked to your mom about that. You're your mom. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, of course I do. Well, who else would I talk to? I'm like nobody. <laughs> do what I do. Suppress it. <laughs> Suppress it, and one day just explode with rage. Yeah, uh. just just explode with rage. What are we talking about? I thought this is what we all do. Um, oh. So yeah, so I think that that makes fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. That that was my take, and I was like, "Yeah, I think this is a girl thing that we don't. We're not not we're, we're not meant to know about." Maybe the 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 tint of the fact that he's an employee of the family, and there should be maybe like sexual harassment sort of thing. Because I mean, if you oh, yeah. if if I if I if I step back from it, the 
mo- the, the the mother of the family of the business is trying to sleep with an employee, you know? Yeah. Like those things. I mean, I'm taking that way far. But I'm just saying, uh, yeah, you're in the end, you're right. Like maybe this is something women do and just whoop, went right over my <laughs> head. A uh, quick line when Claire says that Ruth never got to have her sexual experience. Uh, we mm. definitely see this play out in season four. Um, ah, yeah. Right? And then the line from Ruth, there'll never be another man who will love me when I'm young, young and pretty, and have that picture in his heart. Kind of felt sad. It's a beautiful, beautiful and line. very sad, you know, that realizing no matter what, she'll never get to, you know, reach another person who has that image, you know. Mm. Um uh, in terms of relationships, right, uh, child-parent relationships, yeah, you kind of, if you parallel this with Keith and his father, it's like, whoa. I mean, they're literally sleeping together in bed, like probably the most, uh, not not affectionate, just uh, what a blessing to like be able to sleep with your parent at that age in bed, mm. and, you know, and the other, <laughs> you know, the other two can't even sit down and talk nicely to each other, you know? Yeah. Well, there was a lot of stuff in this episode about uh, about fathers. There was like Keith and his father, and Claire talking about Nathaniel, and yeah, yeah, Nate obviously with Maya, and um, and and even Billy like having his little bit of a flip out about uh, Bernard. Like there was there was a little bit oh, of yeah. daddy issues throughout. Yeah, um, yeah, which was which was sort of like I think that was sort of the front loaded. That was more of the front loaded metaphor where a lot of the other stuff was like put back a little bit yeah. which is fine and you know it's i like how they do this because it, it happens like twice a season every once in a while it's like you kind of forget uh the head of this family died like about almost two years ago yeah you know and we're like it's easy to forget like oh yeah that there was a father involved you know there was a guy that everyone called dad walking around and now he's yeah. not there you know um there's something like this you're like oh shit that's right there was yeah. nathaniel <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, it. Though. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's mad. Uh, the other storyline that ties together: Brenda shows up at Nate's as mm. Nate is introducing Maya to music that doesn't suck. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting that Brenda shows up to Nate's that she had nowhere else to go to. You know, or maybe that's where yeah, she's Ma- from. Where's Margaret? <laughs> yes, maybe having sex with Olivier. Who knows? Uh, yeah. um, but uh, you know, it's just interesting, like she that she didn't go to a hotel first. Like she does at the mm. end, you know. I have, you know, Nate's Nate's a rather good friend, even though they they that they they blah, that they are exes. Yeah. Um, and Nate' intent isn't, you know, to to to, and what ends up happening. I feel really bad for Brenda. She's had quite a fucked up night between Billy and Nate. <laughs> you know. At the end of it, I just don't even know where your mind is at. The only reason I could think that she would go to... Because, again, talking about my initial thesis statement about inevitability. Mm-hmm. She shows up at Nate's house in the middle of the night. Something's going to go down. But <laughs> there is there is also that sense of, like, if you wanted to go somewhere and, like, shit can Billy, Nate's the perfect person to go to. Yeah. Like if you've just yeah. had like a shit day with Billy and you just want to go and just like vent and have someone not be all like, oh, but he's going for a rough time and all right, that. Right, someone right. who is just going to be like, fuck him, you know, <laughs> then yeah, go see Nate. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. If there's anyone in this world, you can rely on Nate. Uh, Brenda initiates the kiss, right? 
Because even after, she's like, what am I doing? I'm sorry. Yeah. But uh, Nate but doesn't Nate's stop not it. Too, yeah, yeah, exactly. Nate's not like, oh, no, please don't do this. Right, it's like, right. okay, cool. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's smooch for a bit in front of my infant daughter, and then we'll go from there. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and again, just an episode titled Everybody Leaves. Here's Brenda leaving, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on there with the kissing and whatnot. Um, I mean, <laughs> the way the episode closes out, right? There's this nice montage, or or maybe even sad if you want to, you know, make mm. it. Nate doesn't know where Lisa is. Rico putting Vanessa to sleep. There's obviously, I mean, we skipped over the Rico and Vanessa storyline. Um, I guess before I get to this montage, do you have anything there? Because I mean, to me, it's rather just how could you not. If you know, if someone has this much energy, and then all of a sudden, you know, from a week ago she was basically a vegetable, and now she has more energy than anyone I've ever seen in my life, you had to know something was coming. It says a lot about Rico, in the <laughs> sense of like, I, I actually I do have a um, uh, a good example. I um, when we were in LA. Uh, my wife got a sore phone. She she was getting a bit of a cold and she didn't want it. She like well, one of our friends is a nurse, and she was like, yeah, yeah, don't worry, just take some Dayquil and you'll be fine. And mm-hmm. Fee's never take Fiona's never taken Dayquil before, mm-hmm. so she was like, oh cool, I'll take some of that and everything. So she had some, and then she was in another room, and then I and then I was like, I think I was lying in the bed reading a book, and she came in, and I was like, how are you doing? She's like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I'm really good, I'm really good, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. I just I just I need a bit of fresh air. I mean, I need a bit of water. And I was like, uh, Fee, love. Are you yeah, stoned? Yeah. And she was like, <laughs> and then she sort of looked at her hands, and she's like, "Oh God, I am." But yeah, come up oh and lie down. Love. I'll get you a glass of water. <laughs> and instantly, you know, I was like, I can tell when my wife's stoned up her ass. You know what right. I mean? It's like, and but Rico is just sort of like, well, she's got energy. She wants to have sex in the morning. She wants to go dancing. She's smiling. I don't have to do anything else, so I'm just going to take this and not ask any questions. And you're like, right, right. you fucking suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, he, he, how could you not? And he's just kind of sitting. I mean, there was a point when they're at the dancing. They're they're out dancing where, just as as someone, uh, uh, as someone who dates, and, and you go on a date and you're with a woman because there there's a time where. She's just kind of, oh, yeah, we'll do this. And then the kids, and then she like chugs a bottle of water. Yeah. I was looking at Rico, and he shouldn't have the same look because he is a married man. But that look of like, oh, shit, I'm, this is a crazy woman. <laughs> Plan your yeah. exit. You know, you don't want yeah. no part of this. You just want to make sure you get home safe. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, like, I was, how did he not know that? But it, it just, I, I can't believe that was the first time he had seen her pills at the club, you know, where he's just like, what the hell is all this? Like, yeah, to your point, he should have known better. I mean, I, th- I think that is it. It's, it's, it's very in character, like, but at the same time, I think that is a bit of a thing with Six Feet Under. And I think a bit of a negative, actually, towards the show is it, it's not great at, like, realizing who, like, the dead weight characters are. Like, it would be very easy for them to sort of go like, okay, I think the Rico plot has run its run its yeah. course. We can, And I would even go as far to say, like, Keith and David, you have to hit a certain point where you're like, Keith's got to go, I think, and be replaced. And you you just start fresh with that plot line because it's starting to really go nowhere. Yeah. It, yeah, it does sort of pick up as we go, I know. But, like, it is one of those things of the show doesn't really add that many characters on. 
Yeah, yeah. But it also doesn't, like, chip away at the dead weight either. So you do yeah. get a lot of stuff where... Do, do you ever watch Game of Thrones? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I think it was last season or this season where it's like, every time Bran comes on screen... Uh, my wife's just like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, and that's just like, and I was the same with the books. It's like, you open, you turn the page and the chapter's called Bran. I'm like, oh. Oh, damn, you're right, <laughs> you're right. And that was it. Like, when this, this this episode opened and it was two people having sex and then it turned out and it was Rico, I was like, oh, fucking hell, Rico? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Like, uh, not not cutting out that fat of, of yeah. just the spare parts. Yeah, and, and Sean, that kind of brings our episode to the end. Like I said, there's just that closing montage of, you know, we just get this cliffhanger of we don't know where Lisa is. Yeah. And Which I don't is know terrifying. how. And, yeah, and I don't know how I would have. Exp- I mean, yes, from a personal level, if not knowing where your wife is and the mother to your child, but also like watching this, you know, and knowing that Six Feet Under always sets up things to, to have a purpose and whatnot. Yeah, I just. I don't know how it would have felt if I was just like, wait, what? A main character is just missing, and we don't know, like mm. what the hell's going on. And you know, it's not something where she's like, "Oh, I overslept," you know. Or me, I, I guess at that point you could assume that like maybe she's just she turned lost herself. I don't know, whatever. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, I think you've got to think in terms of TV world. It's got to be. It, obviously, this would be terrible if, like, the next episode starts with her going, hey, my battery ran out. It's well, that's fine. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good, like, entourage cliffhanger where it's like, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio wants to do the movie. Oh, no, no, he doesn't. Um, uh, but this one has to be, like, either she's dead or that right. she's done a runner. No, she's just, like, Nate and Maya have broken her and she just gets in the car and just drives away and we never yeah. see her again and, and and then at the end of the fourth season she shows up again to right, come and right. get Maya back and that's a plot line yeah um but yeah no it's terrifying I mean I I always have that thing of like whenever I read a news story about someone um usually a woman unfortunately who gets like you know picked up grabbed from the on the way home from work and found dead a week later and I always sort of have that feeling of like I feel sorry, like the, the, obviously it's an absolute tragedy for the victim, but then you think of like the husband or the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the wife who's like sat at home and they kind of, they text and then they call and then it's that point where you're like, at what hour did it, did they realize, you know, yeah, at what hour they realized, oh no, this is something bigger than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And I have that sometimes with my own wife, like, well, I'll text her during the day and I'll get no reply or whatever because she's in work and she's busy and it'll be (laughs) fine, fine and fine. And then, like, towards the end of the day, I'll be like, God, I've had no contact with her at all. <laughs> and it does start to sort of just creep in a little bit. And then you kind of phone and there's no answer. And, like, no, it's fine, yeah. it's fine, it's fine. And, yeah, and then eventually, you know, whatever. But, yeah, that, it's, it's something that just chills me. I hate it. And just seeing, like, <laughs> Nate go through that way. He's like, phones, oh, and she hasn't arrived. Oh, she must be stuck in traffic. Phones, and then she doesn't answer her phone. Like, yeah, okay, this is fine. She's probably just doing whatever. And then gradually, as the phone calls go on, so you get to that last one, and he does say, like, I'm starting to get worried. And yeah. then you go to bed, and you're like, hopefully you're going to wake up. There's going to be yeah. a voicemail. <laughs> oh, you know, my phone fell between the seat cushions or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we kind of see that the next episode of just that, like, like, hey, where are you? I'm really starting to get... I'm not even worried anymore. Just let me know you're alive. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know, just that natural yeah. progression of it. Uh, Sean, that does bring us to the uh, to the end of our episode. 
Um, a rather deep episode, you know. There's a lot of, I, I guess, there's a lot of like life moments that we kind of like, you know, you just talk about. We're just like, oh, this this one kind of hit, hits closer to home, you know, uh, and just that yeah, yeah. relationship stopping on a dime. Sean, you're on Twitter at from first. No, I always you're at Twitter yeah, well, at first to last pod. From first to last pod, motherfucker. No, it's honest, I'm, I, I, I probably just got it wrong. Uh, it might just be first to last pod. Yeah, I think it's first to last because I always start. Yeah, if you just if you just search for from first to last, yeah, that's me. <laughs> not the band, not the band with Skrillex. I'm not in that. The podcast. Um, um, and then yeah, go on. Uh, this is something I remember. This is something I remembered. I did mm-hmm. um, about a couple of years ago. I self-published uh, a book of a uh, hundred-word short stories on okay. um, Kindle. So if you go to Amazon, America, Australia, England, wherever, and you Google, uh, Google, and you search for marrying the animal, and it's a hundred, one hundred word stories, and uh, it costs like a dollar or something. I don't know. I haven't looked at it, but yeah, if that's something that you're into, check it out. Why not, eh? What? Uh, oh shit! Here it is. Look at that. There you go. So yeah, that was something I did. Um, uh, yeah, years ago, I used to have. Uh, I used to have a blog, and there was this weekly re- uh, writing challenge called Friday Fictioneers, and it was they'd give you a, uh, a picture prompt, and you had a hundred words to write a story, mm-hmm. and I did it over and over and over again. I got a hundred of them together, and I was like, well, I'll e-publish something, and yeah. So I just I realized about it the other day, so I'm going to start doing it again and write a follow-up, and I'm probably going to start plugging it a bit more. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let, let's let's if you're going to start plugging it. Our starting basis is you are on Amazon bestsellers rank. You are three million forty thousand four hundred and fifty-one. So yes. if we could if we could move you up into the two million, that's progress, right? I that's mean, amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I I I need to see who's behind me and then uh, kind of go on and like shit. Oh, go sorry, the person who's directly ahead of me. My next <laughs> podcast will just be about like shit canning them. <laughs> drag myself up person by person. Just release each book, just <laughs> knocking out your next next person yeah. in front of you. Oh man, Sean, thank you um, again. Sean's on Twitter and his podcast from first to last pod, first to last podcast. Uh, any idea? Uh, you're 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 starting back up again. Do you know what your next episode is? Yes. Yeah, so if this is, yep. Yeah, so the next episode should come out um, when this when this episode is published, which is will be in a week. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 21st. So yeah. So it'll be uh, the IT crowd is the first okay, episode. Okay. Cool. 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 And it's uh, yeah, it's good. It's a uh, it's a good excuse to watch the IT crowd. It's a very good um, uh, English TV show. And uh, check it out. Awesome, awesome. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I am at Digging Podcast. I'm on Facebook at Digging Six Feet Under. As always, I try to uh, encourage people just asking questions uh, about the industry. I will be doing my next two episodes with Natalie Willis. So we have sort of two funeral directors, and it seems like we have sort of different takes on a lot of things. So if you have a funeral funeral related question, definitely uh, send them in and join me next week as we will be doing Death Works Overtime, episode 11 of season three. And that's it. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening, everyone.
for listening to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. Please search and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. The Digging Six Feet Under podcast is in no way affiliated with HBO or Six Feet Under, and the views expressed here are solely that of the hosts. No infringement is intended.